build compelling real-time apps quickly and scale them globally with the PubNub real-time network. Only PubNub delivers the core building blocks needed for any real-time application. Find out for yourself by signing up for free today. Visit PubNub.com. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. Everybody and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 140. We're recording this live between Asif and myself on early Sunday morning. That's July 28th, 2013. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in sunny Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, as always, from across the way... Yeah, Asif Khan from the uh, Location-Based Marketing Association, uh, actually in Toronto. And uh, looks like I'm... Here for a couple of weeks or something. I don't know what's up with that, but uh, yeah. I don't believe it. How was the vacation, man? <laughs> it was good. It was good. Uh, yeah, I went uh, down to Myrtle Beach as as you saw and uh, recorded from there. But uh, the best part was uh, we we went to Charleston. We, we go down there every year, but uh, we never really get down to Charleston. So we went down this year and uh, and uh, took the kids on the. Uh, there's a uh, retired um, World War II aircraft carrier and battleships and all that kind of stuff. Submarines and had a ball like going through and touring all that stuff so it was it was good i think that's very cool like you can do that in san diego but it's much easier to do it yep. you know you know in, in south carolina it's a little bit yeah. closer for the family but uh was it relaxing at least yeah, yeah it was good got got, got a fair bit of golf in it was it, it was good i love it golf that's not a relaxing sport for me that's that's where my my blood pressure starts to escalate when you start to talk about golf <clears throat> well what i mean yeah i mean there's the competitive piece of it but there's uh for me just walking around and kind of being outside and, and yes. not thinking about other stuff is uh it's relaxing so away from the screen well we got a very busy, busy, busy show here. I, I mean, we've got our usual. We've got our uh, app fascination uh, of the week. We got a great guest in Tyler Bell, who's the director of product for Factual. Uh, we got a great resource which talks about the impact of showrooming um, and some staggering statistics. Also, got another edition of the Mobile Minute with Chuck Martin. We're going to talk about the retail quest for the mobile cookie, which we've talked about so many times before. It's starting to percolate everywhere. Our, our, maybe our ideas are spreading, Asif. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe we actually have some influence. I don't know. Uh, no, 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 no. Not even over my no. kids do I have any, any influence. And I know that's the same for most parents. We like parents. to think that we do. Yeah. No, it comes out when they're 30 and maybe in prison. Ah, there's the influence, right? Uh, yes. yes. And we've also got our six stories which cover the planet, cover the gamut around the location-based marketing world and out-of-home advertising world as well. Uh, but before we get into any of this, i got to know what's going on with the Location-Based Marketing Association. I know it's summer, but there's got to be something brewing. Yeah, we got a couple of things happening. Um, the uh, there's a conference coming up in San Diego, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, called Retail Customer Experience Executive Summit, uh, and uh, so that's um, yeah, as the name implies, it, it's it's a retail industry conference looking at uh, mobile location, looking at customer service, a um, bunch of different issues around that. I know AT and T's got a big uh, big role in that, NEC as well. Uh, and we're involved, the Digital Screen Media Association, um, and a lot of cool brands. Um, I was looking at the list the other day of just you know some of the some of the brands that are participating, and you, know, you got everybody from uh, eBay to uh, Hallmark and, and Lego and Walgreens, um, you know Westfield Malls. I mean, so, so it'll, it'll be 
it'll be pretty interesting, I think, to connect with some of these guys and kind of get caught up on where they're at. So that's August 13 and 14 in San Diego. Uh, and then... Um, the week before that, you've got... The week, uh, week before that, we've got a, a webinar that we're doing uh, in partnership with um, iInside, which is a name that people might not know yet. is the new name for what was Wireless Works, um, which is uh, also Southern California-based uh, company. And um, so iInside is an indoor um, analytics, indoor location company. And uh, so we're doing a, a webinar together called How Retail is Changing the Indoor Traffic Analytics. Um, and so that's August 6th, 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And, uh, yeah, you can register uh, on our site or you can register um, just by going to uh, iInside.com and check that out. And if you happen to be on Untether.tv, you can check the show notes. I'll, I'll uh, create a link, and this is show number 140. So if you're interested, in just go on to Untether.tv, and we'll link you up there as well. So yeah. a relatively easy August for you. Yeah, it's it's relatively light compared to uh, every other month. But yeah. Exactly. It'll kick in again in September. Enjoy this while you can, <laughs> my friend. Yeah. Uh, before we get into this, I want to do ask ask two things of you, the fine watcher, fine listener. Please, please, please. If you are listening to this and you're enjoying this, we would really appreciate a review on iTunes. If you could go onto iTunes, take a look at uh, look for this week in location based marketing. We are the only one that comes up. We are the only one that is covering this industry with such deep knowledge and uh, consistently for 140 episodes. So if you can reward us with a little five star review, a little comment in there, we would really, really appreciate. It. That is our currency, and we'd appreciate it if you would. That's a great way to contribute. You can sponsor it, or you can do that. Send us a buck, or just give us five stars. That's that's the easiest way to do it. The other thing is, if you have a question about the location-based marketing world, you want to know some facts, you want to know some insight, please reach out. Go to untether.tv forward slash talk, untether.tv forward slash talk, and leave us a question. We'll play it on the air. We'll answer it. We're just accumulating a bunch of these so we can do a separate show, which is all of these questions and answers, but we'll throw some up on the episode as well, if you so choose. So please untether.tv forward slash talk and hit us up with a review on iTunes. Why don't we why don't we jump into this now, Seif? Yeah. We are gonna start with the app that is fascinating me these days. It's fascinating quite a few people these days. It is called Everlapse. Uh, this is a unique piece of uh, technology. It might sound very obvious, it might sound very common, but this is an application that allows you to create a photo stream and share that photo stream. But what's cool about it is that you can create it and then it'll, you can allow other people to contribute to that photo stream. So what does it got to do with location? Well, the ones that I've contributed to are like live concerts mm -hmm. that you're at right now. So there are things like, you know, if you're at a show, they're saying, add your live show, your live photo, take a photo from where you are and add it to this. And it just creates this just constant stream. And basically what it does is it scrolls through it at, at, a, at a pretty insane rate. It's very quick. but. I mean, I did one, uh, I'll just pull it up for those of you who are watching it on screen. Of course, I did one of, here we go, live Bruce Springsteen shots, right? Of course. Um, and Ohm Malik did one, if you know Ohm, he did one around sunsets. And then here's one right now is from where I stand. So this is literally people taking photos of exactly where they are at this very moment, taking a photo and uploading it to the stream. 
there are 47 contributors to this bunch of photos it just streams through like a vine or an or you know an instagram video um and uh, it just it's constant and I, I love this idea of capturing a moment in time you know sunsets capturing a moment in time around where you stand or or even live concerts or or uh, you know street signs uh, around the world and i think that this is a very unique application it's free there are some hiccups. It's not the, the company's focus at this moment. Um, you, you know, it's, it's difficult to friend people and find people, but you know, this is the, the genesis, I think, of something that's gonna be pretty amazing to, uh, to watch. I love the idea of that contributing factor. It reminds me a little bit of Flock with a little bit fewer restrictions, I would say. Um, but I, I like this, Everlaps. Ever, just do a search for Everlaps. I think it's everlaps.com and uh, you'll be able to find that. It's certainly on the iStore, uh, iPhone, um, iOS store right now. Pretty neat. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it looks really cool. And I think that idea of capturing uh, threads of information, whether they're location-specific, like at a, a concert, as, as you alluded to, or uh, just, just around a theme is really interesting. And I, th I think that, um, you know, the... You know, on this show, obviously, we focus a lot on location as as we should, but uh, you know, it's not at uh, at the behest of kind of leaving out the importance of the temporal element as well, right? Yeah. So, so I think I think a lot of of the way location services evolve is is to factor in you know time, um, you know, as this second layer on top of them. And I think for me, when I look at at what you're doing with Everlaps and, and what's happening there is is it's that time element combined with what's happening at a location and putting those things together. And and that for me is is part of what when I look at some of these new location services or even some of the the ones that have been out for a while, it's often the piece that's been missing, right? And we're going to talk about uh, time uh, later on the show too with with another uh, service uh, in one of our stories. But um, yeah, ever Everlaps, I like it. Yeah, it is at everlaps.com and go and check it out. If you know, this is this is one of those things that it could be frivolous, but it could also take off. Uh, you know, Vine was frivolous and it took off, and Instagram was frivolous and it took off. And this is just a great way to share your your contextual and um, uh, time-based uh, photos. I like this. I like this a lot. So everlaps.com, uh, and the other one that I was talking about was the Flock app. So you can go to flockapp.com as well. All right, right before we jump into our stories, I want to uh, play another edition of the Mobile Minute with Chuck Martin, famed author, famed mobile author, and famed business author as well. This time, we're going to talk about the quest for the retail cookie in, in mobile. And this is, we've talked about this quite a bit, is that, that you know, the disconnect between the small screen that you carry with you and the, the big screen that we're looking at right now, which is the web. Um, and how do you join those up so that you can create context around uh, mm -hmm. purchases and, and, and basically streamline that buy uh, for your consumer. So here is uh, the Mobile Minute with Chuck Martin and myself talking about this thing, the retail quest for mobile cookie. Well, it's time for another mobile minute. All right, Chuck, we know that there is so much that happens behind the scenes in anything, especially in the mobile. We're talking about cloud, and it just seems so efficient on the device. I got to ask, are we finally seeing the glue that binds the commerce screens together? Well, we're starting to see some of that. Uh, Neiman Marcus, if anyone's been using their app over the last few months, they basically have tied into seriously big data on the back end. And they're using a, a California-based company called Bloomreach. And what they're doing is they're, they're essentially connecting cross-channel and, and optimizing search strategy and discovery. So what happens is when someone's that using on one system, 
you'll see I will see items more like this. They basically tap photos and then they are shown more items like that. The, the system continually learns what the shopper's preference is and then gives them much more relevance. And they basically can identify this across, across screens, tying the data together. So it becomes really powerful for a retailer. What are some of the results from this kind of combination or combining or gluing the screens? Uh, well, what they found was after a couple of days, they, they basically can make the correlation between screens and they found that revenue per visitor is up 40% once they start receiving these enhanced shopping uh, things. And the people who use that more like this feature, which I mentioned, generated 150% more revenue than those who haven't used it. So th this thing is really catching on. And that was uh, the Mobile Minute with Chuck Martin. I really appreciate the fact that Chuck does that. sits with me every week. We do these we five five a week, one a day during the weekdays. It's pretty amazing. So you can check those out on untether.tv. Thanks. Thanks, Chuck. All right, Asif, jumping into our stories, the first three. Why don't you kick off the first one with Wi-Find? Here's a, uh, an acquisition. Yeah, so uh, Wi-Find is a company we've talked about before on this show, a uh, Singapore-based uh, indoor uh, analytics, indoor positioning company, uh, a member of the LBMA, uh, so know these guys really well. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they've been, the interesting thing about, for me about this is, is so, so the story is, is they were acquired this week by Ruckus Wireless, which is a well-known hardware player in the uh in the space of, uh, you know, Wi-Fi gear and routers and all that kind of stuff, along with Cisco and Aruba and everybody else. Um, and for me, the interesting thing is, is because I know these guys uh, at Wi-Fi, you know, fairly well and been kind of uh, very close to, to the situation of what's going on, uh, you know, what surprised me early on was is they're, they're, they're very, very new to the U.S. market. Uh, you know, they're, they're coming from Singapore, uh, they've been active in that market with their solutions for a couple of years. They they've been in the U.S. for maybe four four or five months, and you know, <laughs> in, in the span of the four or five months, they did a couple pilots with uh, some retailers in the U.S. Um, set up a uh, a presence. One of the founders basically, you know, said he was going to move over to the U.S. So he's been spending a ton of time over over there. And then next thing I know, I'm watching the news feeds this week, and I see Wi-Fi is acquired by Reckless Wireless, and I'm like, oh, it, it does work that fast sometimes. But um, so, so this is great news for those guys. Great guys, by the way, um, Melvin and Siho and, and the team over at uh, at Wi-Fi. And uh, you know, it, it just it just points to a a trend that we're seeing over and over again, where traditional Hardware players in in the in the uh, kind of Wi-Fi space, uh, you know, like uh, Cisco's been all over this. They acquired um, uh, a few companies in the space. You got IBM acquired uh, ThinkSmart. You got Google, Microsoft going crazy on, you know, ramping up their uh, you know their indoor mapping capability. Aruba uh, a few months ago now uh, we talked about on the show here acquired Meridian. Uh, which is a direct competitor, you could say, to uh, Wi-Fi uh, in this space. So all the hardware players are trying to make sure that they have this capability, not just to sell hardware, but to offer the service layer or the application layer, let's call it, uh, you know, on top of that gear in terms of helping their customers be able to use the gear in effective ways to do analytics and track you know where people are in stores. So uh, so this is just, for me, the continuation of, a, of an ongoing uh, trend within that uh, sector. 
Yeah, and the lesson that I learned here is uh, if, if you want to if you want to get bought, just move to the U.S. or call Yahoo. Mm -hmm. Right? Isn't that pretty much what it is? Yeah. That's, yeah, exactly. It stills it down. Yeah, if you want to get bought, you can't do it anywhere else. Move to the valley, and Marissa's still taking calls. She is, yes. Yeah. Although she's now blacklisted on Tether.tv. There's no interest from no interest at all. Well, uh, you know, it's um, I, I love that story. It's you know, a land in America, sell your company. Yeah. Perfect. The land of opportunity. Our uh, our second story here is uh, around uh, this is this is interesting. You know, uh, you know, we talk about that second screen or the uh, you know the digital out of home experience, and, mm -hmm. and there's so much that goes up around pop up stores. And I had this great conversation just this week with a VC around some technologies um, being put into retail locations and fast food locations and screens and all these different ways. And and I was I was challenged is that you know that like the idea of going and spend a thousand dollars on a screen drives me crazy, right? Like an interactive touch screen and do all these things. When we have these devices that we carry with us all the time, which could be the conduit to that screen. And the biggest problem is not display, is it, Asif? No. Nope. The biggest problem is, is the connection between that screen and me. And then how do I connect with that screen and bring it home with me? Or that, how does that screen create a connection for that location to the, to the consumer? And that's why I'm, I'm, uh, this is a company called Linkit um uh, or, or a product called linked by western expressions and this is something that's really cool it's it's like an add-on to a screen you plug it into the back of the television or you display or a monitor and it is an N nfc enabled conduit to the device so they realize one thing that the center of our world right now is this not that mm -hmm. stupid screen it's this so this is a technology that allows you to literally go up and tap the screen. Now it's motion detected, so you walk by it, it, it animates. If you walk by it, it's a great example in the video where it says, you know, it's 20, 20 or you know, 10% off, and then when you walk past it, it says, no, 20% off, please, please, please. It's a little begging, but um, you you put you hold up you, an NFC-enabled phone and you hold it up to this little uh, you know, this little uh, pad that is attached to the television and the screen, and uh, it transfers that deal or transfers whatever it is to the device, and then you can walk away, and then it's created that link between the screen and the consumer and the value that the consumer gets out of this and I really like this I really like the concept of this I think that screens you know smart screens are transient right I, I just don't believe in them I believe in dumb glass and smarts being carried with you and creating that linkage between the screen and oh, the, the consumer right so I think that this is a pretty cool tool I don't know what are your thoughts on this yeah, I, I like it a lot too. I think it, it's a very simple way to do a linkage between uh, the two uh, the two device types. Um, you know, in in the world of digital uh, digital screens, um, you know, one of the key challenges you have is the media player aspect of it. So you've got typically you've got uh, in most of these situations where you've got screens in stores like this, you've got you know behind the scenes some giant you know server or computer yes. sitting there. You know, with all the media sitting on it, that's you know feeding content into those screens, and here you have something that's you know a little like almost like a USB device that you just plug into uh, you know the back of the TV and into a port, um, and it, it's you know you can you can push content to it on the fly, so it can it can be updated, um, you know, with any any media you want, and and it's triggered by simply you know proximity by by NFC in this case. So so I think it's. Very cool, very uh, unique in, in, in its simplicity in, in the way it works. 
so, so I, you know, I, I expect big things from from this, and and it's Canadian. Hey. Yes, and, it, and there and you go. That's the best part of it. And you know, I I mean, if you're interested in that, go to linkit.com. L-I-N-K-E-T-T.com, and it just shows you. Like, I mean, we're starting to see these uh, proliferation of USB or um, uh, you know dongle-based devices. Like, even Google came out with their Chromecast this week, which was the ability to take a Chrome tab from yep. the browser. Uh, and send it to your television set. It's like um, you know Apple TV, but it only costs thirty bucks. And I think that this this is even link it. I think they're giving you three devices and a subscription, a certain amount of uh, months in subscription for ninety nine bucks as a as a as a kickoff. So like you know what once was prohibitive, which was you have to install new screens in your in your place of retail uh, at the cost of a thousand dollars a screen. Uh, these smart screens now you know for ninety nine bucks. Uh, and a service charge every month, you can quite literally hook up three screens right now to be able to do this and interact with your consumers. And I think that, that that's disruptive, right? Who knows how long this yeah. lasts, but that to me, just simplicity. Now, the challenge I have with it, Asif, is NFC. Like, it's probably the only way you can do it. There's got to be a way because Bump, remember Bump and Dave Lieb, mm -hmm. they, they have that technology that allows you to exchange contacts. That's done without Bluetooth or without NFC. It's done with a proprietary technology that as you know, takes in location and motion and goes up into the cloud and comes back down and yeah. transfers the information. It's a very complicated except, process. Except you don't want people banging on uh, thousand screen. dollar screens. No, but but you know, there's gotta be a way to be able to do proximity yeah. based stuff that doesn't involve NFC, that doesn't leave out the three hundred million devices that you know, uh, Apple's devices um, going forward, maybe they'll have NFC in the new version, but oh my goodness, like that leaves out a whole bunch of people using all these other versions of, uh, of the devices. So um, I know that Android is dominant, um, but you can't leave out iOS or else, you know what? Um, there's there's gonna be a huge, huge, huge portion of the consumer base that you're not actually attacking, yeah. the ones that are spending the money. So. Hopefully they come up with something like that. But that's Linkit, L-I-N-K-E-T-T dot com. That's our second story. Yeah. All right. I go to movies. I get bombarded with advertisements. How is this next story going to make my life better in a movie theater or outside of the movie theater? Uh, well, this this is definitely uh, not about uh, the movie theater. This is about outside the movie theater. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, Cineplex, uh, so another Canadian uh, company, uh, the largest movie theater operator in the country. But what a lot of people don't know about Cineplex is they also have a very large digital out-of-home screen network business called Cineplex Digital Solutions. And... Um, so they operate screens in, uh, you know, in the Air Canada Centre where the where the Leafs play. They operate screens in, uh, in banks, in Rogers stores, and in, in shopping malls. You know, all over the place. And uh, they went out and they bought a company called EK3 Technologies, which is another um, Canadian company, London, Ontario based company. Uh, the price initial price I saw is forty million. But it could upwards be upwards of seventy. Yeah. 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 It could be up to seventy-eight yeah. uh, at the top end, based on earnouts and other things. But so a significant uh, purchase. Um, the, big thing about that, uh, the big thing about that, the big thing about that, Asif, is that it's uh, you know we talk about often. I talk with entrepreneurs about the hollowing out of the Canadian economy because companies you know get to a certain size and they get bought by American firms. And I love the fact that this is a Canadian company buying another Canadian company, keeping this technology inside of Canada. Sorry. Yeah, and, and what you have here is is really two big players in the in the digital out of home space in Canada uh, in in terms of uh, footprint of locations and stores coming together. Because 
on the one hand, you've got like I like I said, Roger Stores and Scotiabank and 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 all that with Cineplex uh, tr uh, existing business. Then you have with the EK3, they've got Tim Hortons, they've got McDonald's, they've got Walmart, they've got Target. I mean, so so the, you know you have this kind of interesting now mashup of portfolios um, that come together with a very interesting network. And then you know to your earlier point, if you think about the movie theaters, if I can take some of that ad content that I'm uh, I'm working with in this in the store environments, and I can bring the same ad placement, you know, for a fraction of the cost uh, or additional revenue, if you will. For them, into the movie theater. N now you've got sort of second or third screen kind of placement uh, going on, and then you, you bring the mobile device into that, you know, and so on. And, and, and think about a technology like Linkit that we just talked about, connected to some of these screens. Yeah. Right. I mean, that for me is another logical tie-in here. So you know, Cineplex, if you're listening to this, take a look at Linkit. You know, it could, could be a good fit. Anyways, there's another there's another Canadian acquisition. You, you, you didn't hear hear that from me, but no. yeah. Well, I like, I mean, EK3 got their start by providing the screens early on in this business, in this world, uh, to Tim Hortons, which is, uh, you know, for those Americans or anywhere else around the world who don't have a Tim Hortons, um, if you're not in northern United States or in Canada, you probably haven't or haven't been to Canada. Tim Hortons is kind of our national chain of uh, donut shops. Um, yeah, and big in the Middle East now, though, too. Big in the Middle East. Uh, and uh, you know, starting to emerge in uh, in northern United States and New York and, and some of those areas, but certainly across Canada, there's thousands of uh, Tim Hortons on every street corner. Um, but they they were the ones who put the screens, the digital screens, inside of there. And now they're they're extending their relationship with Tim Hortons to be able to bring in those screens and bring in outside advertisers. So you think about what what Cineplex has on those screens. Um, you know, the uh, when you're at the pre-roll for movies uh, and uh, ads at the movies, you bring those into the Tim Hortons. There's a great mix-up of here of, of you know relationships, and each one of these. Um, so Cineplex has 7,000 screens that are or locations around Canada. Same thing with EEK3. Uh, so there's 14,000 screens. This is huge distribution, and that's exactly what people will pay for is to be able to reach that that kind of reach. Um, and I think the only thing missing is contextual segmentation, right? And I think that that will come at some point. So you're right. Maybe Linkit is the perfect piece to be able to uh, to you know contextualize the advertising so that you're in a neighborhood, you're on a you're, you're in a Tim Hortons on a neighborhood, and you're getting the appropriate ads being displayed to that demographic or psychographic. And I think that or time of day, right? Um, so I think that that's it's pretty powerful, very powerful mm -hmm. uh, when you get that kind of consolidation and power and Cineplex. And EK3, forty million up to seventy-eight million dollars. That's a good acquisition. Go Canada. Two stories out of the top. Three. Two stories right there. It's crazy. Hopefully, we have a little bit more international stuff on the flip side. But before we get there, it's time for our special guest. You sat down with Tyler Bell, who's the uh, director of product for Factual. Um, tee this up, and then let's we'll, we'll roll right into the interview. Yeah. So, so first of all, I'll throw in my apology to uh, to Tyler because uh, when when we talked about when you and I talked about the uh, the, uh, the the new products that they released, that Factual released uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show. Uh, we had talked about their uh, yeah. uh, audience and proximity solutions and all that kind of stuff. I had uh, I had mentioned Tyler uh, in in my comments there, and, and I had promoted him to uh, CEO. And, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he appreciated that. And uh, yeah, he he did he did. Uh, so uh, no, he's in fact not the CEO. He's the director of product. So I will be clear. On that, but uh, nonetheless, uh, fantastic guy, and it was my pleasure to uh, sit down with him this week and, and and get caught up on, on this. And 
you know, there's a lot of great things uh, in the in the location-based data space uh, going on, and a lot of interesting players. But uh, you know, the fact that they've—it's not even a pivot. It, it's really just a uh, you know a, gr a good use case of the data that they already have and that they've been amassing for you know some time now to kind of focus it on you know uh, building audience profiles and, and and opening that up to marketers to uh, to target based on. Uh, and, and obviously the geofencing capability, which is uh, the key function there for me, is the speed at which they can engage people. Uh, and we talked about that a few weeks ago too. Yes. So, anyways, uh, hear from the man himself, the the head of product, director of product at uh, at Factual, Tyler the, Bell, the ex CEO, right? Yes. <laughs> Here's Tyler. <laughs> Well, it's that time of week again where we get to bring on a special guest, and this week it's Tyler Bell, the director of product over at Factual. Uh, really excited, Tyler, to have you on the show. Welcome to this week in location-based marketing. Awesome. I'll see. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, the reason we wanted you on is a few weeks ago, Rob and I were talking about your, your a couple of your new uh, solutions that you put in the marketplace, and we thought, who better to talk about it than uh, you know you, the guy who's uh, kind of responsible for helping bring those products to market and uh, making them happen. So we're talking about uh, your audience uh, product and, and your geofencing uh, solutions, proximity, and so on. Maybe um, just quickly for the audience, for those, I can't believe there's those out there who don't know who Factual is yet, but uh, let's assume that, that there are. Who is Factual? What are you guys all about? Let's start with yeah, so, so Factual is a location data platform. So the problems that we're trying to solve is that uh, it's very hard to get an understanding of the, the global commercial landscape. So when a developer or publisher needs to launch a any kind of location-based service on mobile or desktop or analytically on the back end, where do they go to understand all of the small businesses around the world and, and, and basically use that data layer, build their product upon that data layer? So Factual uh, has 65 million businesses in 50 countries, um, and that acts as the foundation for you know, a big chunk of, of the location-based web and, and mobile web now. Excellent. And, and you, uh, as we talked about a few weeks ago then, I mean, you announced two new solutions. Let, let's, you know, tell us about those solutions. First of all, why did why did you need to kind of move uh, outside of, of the market that you were in around sort of just you know the data uh, piece itself and aggregating that data into one place and into uh, you know providing these in these audience solutions and, and others? Yeah, it's it's a great place to start. Um, you know the the data business where basically we make data and then we sell or license it. Uh, is, is a solid one. It's always going to be a very strong sort of fundamental foundation to our business. Uh, but we had a lot of people coming to us that were saying, hey, we, we want to use factual data for more than traditional local search, i.e., you know, here's a coordinate pair, what's around me. Um, and, and what we saw that they were doing that we found to be most interesting was really beginning to use this commercial layer as an analytical tool to understand the human element. Uh, places don't exist in isolation. Uh, there are humans involved. There's people, there's consumers uh, that are connected to businesses. And what businesses people connect with tells a heck of a lot about that individual. In the same way that what's on your iPod that defines who you are. Mm -hmm. A counterpoint to that is really the businesses that you go to and you you interact with really tells a lot about who you are, what you value, 
um, and your demographic and behavioral preferences. Uh, so what we've done is we, we haven't pivoted, we haven't turned away, but we're basically building another interface onto the data. So that you know the data uh, activities are still a massive part of our engineering efforts and they always will be. But we've now put these use case specific connectors on top. And the first one is called uh, GeoPulse Audience. And what GeoPulse Audience does is it, it's, it solves the, the, the pain point that mobile developers and publishers just don't know who their audience is. Unlike the web, we don't have beacons, we don't have cookies, we don't have detailed registration information. What, what many publishers do have, though, increasingly, is uh, longitude and latitude information. So GeoPulse Audience works with intermittent long, longitude and latitude information, timestamp coordinate pairs. The intermittent is a really important part of this. So we're not on the device. You know, you, you guys have done a lot of coverage and interviews with organizations that have an SDK that balances battery life, that does geo-tracking. Mm -hmm. Factual doesn't do that. We want to work with location as it's captured now for the majority of publishers. And re really what that means is that uh, location is being captured intermittently, maybe when you refresh your Twitter stream or you open up an app, uh, location will be logged and sent back to the server. So we'll take that, uh, that intermittent location trail over time, weeks and months, uh, and we convert that into um, a profile on a per individual basis. So we develop a geographic profile, a behavioral profile, and a demographic profile. So. Uh, we, we don't. What we don't do is we don't aggregate audiences like so many folks in the sector right now. Yep. It's really geared for you know you as a publisher want to know your audience. You give us geo data. We give you profiles back. We don't arbitrage or market those profiles. We really act as a data subcontractor for you. Okay, and and your uh, your proximity uh, solution. The proximity one. So so the audience one. Think of that as sort of using historical location to build up a contextual understanding of an individual. So it's not real yeah. time, it's asynchronous. Proximity is the other side of the coin. It's about that real time data flow. And, and the problem that uh, many publishers have now and advertisers is that uh, there's so much location data coming through uh, that it's very hard to understand which coordinate pairs actually satisfy any given campaign criteria. So let's say if you want to build a campaign that does some kind of geo-trigger or action when you see a coordinate pair that's within 200 meters of any McDonald's, you know, 10,000 plus McDonald's within the U.S., um, building that in a, in a Postgres or an Oracle spatial database and then running million of millions of coordinate pairs through it, it, you have to throw a lot of iron at that problem. Um, using traditional points and polygon filters. So what we do with proximity is that's the problem we're solving, is that it allows you to do very high volume, low latency geo queries, point polygon geo queries. Yep. factual, build your geo offenses on our data, and then you can run this. Uh, we will return the, the, the uh, data file and the code to you to run on your network. So you can distribute it. We don't put a box in. It's basically a very lightweight um, uh, uh, interface. It's a very lightweight product. And, and I think that, that you know, the speed is, is, is one of the key issues there, right? Um, it, it, it's all about speed. Yeah. Speed at volume, right? So it's not just sort of a few coming through. It's, it's <clears throat> if you think about location streams now, you know, it's going to be a very wide pipe that's carrying. It, right now, it's a very <clears throat> narrow pipe that has sort of a little bit of water 
coming through it, but still quite a lot. If you think about Twitter, you know, they have under 10% of tweets getting geotagged, still a boatload of coordinate pairs coming through. Think that, you know, most uh, advertising networks see between 10 and, and maybe 25% of their impressions that are, are, are geotagged. That's only going to go up, right? With all these smartphones, location, the volume is going up. So that pipe is getting wider and there's more water running through it. So proximity handles 50,000 queries per second per core. And so on a typical quad-core box, you're talking 200,000 queries per second, which means that we're actually getting to a point now where it doesn't slow down the, the, the need for very uh, low latency response times for add-in content serving. That's awesome. That's uh, that's great. So, I mean, um, you've got some fantastic solutions. You've got great data. There's lots of brands and publishers that can take advantage of this stuff. Um, but as an industry, I mean, you guys are, it sounds like you're right where the market, you know, wants to be right now. And, you know, and for me, that's further validated because we're seeing lots of activity in this space. I mean, another one of our uh, members, one, one of your, uh, you know, colleagues in the space, so to speak, uh, you know, locationary, on the other side, up here in Toronto, where I'm based, just got acquired by Apple uh, last week. Uh, yeah. We're seeing more and more of this kind of stuff. I mean, are, are, you know, do, do you expect further validation within the industry uh, and more companies coming in, or do you see more consolidation? Um, you, you know, it's, it, it's funny. A lot of these companies get gobbled up, but I think you'll see others come in. Um, so I think the answer is a little bit of both. There, consolidation is happening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but what you're seeing is that uh, new organizations are, are introducing themselves into very specific verticals within local now, especially on the data production side. So, you know, a big push towards like hours and menu items and, yeah. and now sort of, uh, you know, you're seeing um, hours and menu items and prices, but outside of restaurants. Uh, so, you know, there's always been sort of the ho hotel and maybe the, the restaurants use cases for food and travel. Uh, but increasingly now in the data layer, you're finding people that are saying, hey, you know, there's, there's, there's a, uh, an excellent opportunity here to improve the consumer experience, to, pursue, uh, to improve the analytical experience by focusing on, on one narrow bit of local. Um, and when I say narrow, it's usually sort of an extended part. It's a vertical specific, you know, factual focuses on just our core attributes, you know, where a business is, what it's called, what kind of business. These guys are saying, okay, let's build on top of that and we'll focus on price or we'll focus on, you know, um, menu items. And they're, they're building on top of that core. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's the, 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 the broad sort of macro level signal is that there are more companies uh, uh, creating more data that is, that is increasingly granular. And fundamentally, that just means there's a better consumer experience all around and, you know, further M&A. Yeah, no, I love it. I love the space you're in. It's 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 uh, it's a great time to be there. I mean, I love this. Uh, Rob and I are both huge fans of uh, of data in general and what you can do with it. And especially when we talk about location and you and you and the big data discussion in general. I mean, for me, it it, it always comes down to those three V's. I, I like to describe it: volume, velocity, and variety. Right? I mean, it's it, it's about a lot of it. It's about speed, and and it's coming from everywhere. So. It's absolutely uh, there. You guys are at the center of it. Congratulations on that. Um, and again, for our audience, uh, it's been great. We've been talking with Tyler Bell, the, the uh, Director of Product for Factual. Thanks for joining us on the show this week. Thanks very much. Well, uh, again, thanks to Tyler for, uh, for, for sharing with us a little bit and giving us a bit more deeper insight from the, uh, the horse's mouth, so to speak, on what's going on over there at, uh, at Factual and, and where they're going. Uh, and I think there's a lot of room yet uh, 
to, in terms of growth as, as we alluded to at the end there. So thanks, Tyler, for doing that. We really appreciate it. And uh, for more information, just go to factual.com. Exactly as it sounds, factual.com. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Tyler. All right, on to our next story. we got three more and then our resource, and then we're going to call it a day. Go and enjoy the day, the heat. Um, I used, I, like you know, I love looking back. I, you know, I'm a nostalgic guy. Sometimes I think about it all the time. I'm like, you know, what was I doing last year? What was I doing two years ago? What was I doing three years ago? And uh, there was there's this company called uh, TimeHop, which I downloaded their application. You connect it to all of your social uh, networks, like your Facebook and your Twitter, and it basically surfaces when you launch it. It surfaces what you did on that day, one year ago, two year ago, two years ago, as far back as it, as you can see it. So you'll see all your Twitter posts for that day, all your Facebook posts, or your, your Foursquare check-ins, even Instagram uh, photos, and all these kind of things that that are that are I, I don't know sentimental in nature. And I, and these guys just raised three million dollars. A New York-based company, and I, I stopped using it. Uh, you know, they have a huge retention rate, fully one third of the people that download this application or, or um, actually register there with the uh, with uh, TimeHop use it every day, like 33 percent turn into tune into it every single day. And I found that, you know, I'd, I'd wake up in the morning and I roll over like I do. And I used to light up a cigarette. Now I just roll over and use my other addiction, which is my iPhone. And and I used to thumb through it and I and I felt very nostalgic. But then I realized that I haven't advanced in, in one or two years and it kind of it was a sharp reality and I said I gotta get rid of this this is holding me back but a lot of people use this and it's an addictive thing to be able to do and and uh, I, I I certainly don't have any ill wills to it it just reminded me that I have to start living today as opposed to reviewing yesterday but these guys raised three million dollars in in what has been called a series a crunch and um, you know in the comments that I've read and the insight that I've read about the company, the only thing that I don't have a clear clue on is how in the hell these guys are going to make money. Like, I, I don't see a clear path to revenue for these guys uh, banking on the past. And one, one guy in TechCrunch said, you know what, they can at least, they can surface old ads and sell you nostalgic stuff, right? Like Adidas. And, you know, you, it's a good way to resurrect old brands, I would say. Remember, remember those mm. days? So... Uh, you know, I think this is an interesting play. I, I think it's a novelty play. I, I'm not really sure what how. This how, about, how about old? How about old music though? You do an old music, you, right? You definitely could. Um, so, so that could be interesting because it, I mean, I don't know about you, Rob, but like we're getting to a certain age now, right? I, I think I think we're both in the same same category. We're in the bracket. Where, yeah. where I, I'm watching what's going on around me, like in the present here, not in the past, but. You know, as far as music and movies and, and, you know, cultural stuff. And all I see is guys who, you know, were forgotten or they ran out of money or, or something. And all of a sudden they're back on tour after 20 years. Like Depeche Mode yeah. is back on tour right yeah. now. Yeah. Right? What's old you know, is new again. Yes. Fleetwood Mac is back again. Like all these guys that you haven't heard from for like 15, 20 years yep. are back. Right. And, and, um, you know, and it's the same with movies. Like there's, there's no such thing as a new, new script or a new movie. It's, it's like, a, you know, like, like, well, let's just go to the wizard of Oz and like, let's just redo that or create a prequel. Do a prequel. To it. Yeah. Or, you know, like I was, I was at a movie the other night uh, with my dad and one of the previews that came up was this, they're, they're, they're going to do a movie on how Walt Disney convinced the, um, the woman, uh, I forgot her name. Uh, the author who wrote the story about Mary Poppins to make uh, sell them the rights to do Mary Poppins. Like we've <laughs> okay. run out of new ideas. So yeah, we've run right. out of new ideas. So let's go. Let's go to the past. So time hop so, can sell nostalgia. There you go. 
Well, you know what? I, I like that. I, I appreciate the fact that you didn't lump Bruce Springsteen in there as these guys that are coming back because he's been on the road for basically No, he's been on the road forever. But... Yeah, he hasn't retired. He certainly doesn't need the money. But but these guys, like, you know, I, I can understand that, but it's such a niche. Like, how do you how do you value a company enough to be able to give them $3 million in Series A um, and, and, you know, huge retention? But if you can't convert... So you've got 100% of your audience that have downloaded the application and registered. A third of them come back every single day. But what's, what, you know, there's such a gap between there. So even if you convert a third of a third, right, of that third that are using it every day, what is it? Is it you're displaying ads? Is that really about revenue? Is that enough revenue to to to, uh, to sustain a business or to sustain a valuation where you're going to get $3 million in Series A? Like I, so I struggle with this. I like yep. the service, but I struggle with the fact that they, they that these guys, I don't know if they have a good business model. I would love, I've reached out to these guys before to come on and have a deep uh, conversation on untether.tv. I would love it to have that conversation, but I, you know, I, uh, I certainly don't want this product to go away, but, uh, but I've stopped using it um, and I'm not sure how they turn it into revenue. Well, let, let, let's uh, let's make that a uh, you know a target to to uh, to get Jonathan uh, you know their their CEO on the show and 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 let's hear let's hear about it. But uh, yeah, I like this too. I mean, and, and even when I think about Foursquare, and I've said this over and over again. I mean, I still use it. Yeah. I still check in. But for me, it's not about checking in. It's not about deals. It's not about badges. It's not about any of that deal. The the value personally I get from Foursquare is this historical log. Of because uh, you know I travel all over the place, yeah. Um, and for me, it's that it's that you know what was the name of that restaurant I was at you know six weeks ago <laughs> in Seattle? Oh, let me go check my Foursquare history and check-ins, yeah. and I can, I can look it up, right? And I can I can I can pull up the name of that place. That's the value for me uh, yeah. of, of Foursquare still today. Yeah. Um, and, and and in some respects, it's very similar to what we're talking about here. And by the way. Um, Dennis Crowley and Naveen um, uh, Salvadora, uh, who's uh, two of the founders of Foursquare, are two of the angel investors behind this company as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, I've, I came across this other company called uh, Our Moments, and it's at ourmoments.co, ourmoments.co. And this is this is really when you think about contextual information is that uh, I, I like I like this kind of play. It, it's kind of a play around time hop, but it's literally it's 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 reminding you of an experience that you had on at a specific location. So say you are at a location and you take a bunch of photos and you tweet about it or you put a Facebook post or something like that. And then years down the road or a, a week down the road or a day down the road, you walk past that location, it'll prompt you based on the location that you've, ha you've got shared memories here at this particular spot. And I like that kind of prodding that it does. So it's it's contextually relevant to me. If I really feel sentimental, I can I can walk past this school that I went to, and then it would show all these uh, these, you know, you could see Time Hop maybe doing that, where it, it, you add a location layer to this, and all of a sudden Time Hop's information becomes so relevant and contextualized to that moment. Instead of me look lying in bed like scrolling through what I did three or four years ago, add add a location layer to this, and it would and it and it prompts me when I land at a park that's important to me when I was a young kid. Um, that this is where there's shared memories here and uh, mm -hmm. then pull up those memories at that time and it enhances that experience i think because uh, right it, now i mean it, it sounds like it, it, it's a logical connection to the way people use facebook quite frankly yeah. uh in yeah. terms of how, who you're connected to on facebook typically yeah right you know high school friends and this that and the other thing and you know for a lot of people that's that's the use case of facebook not me but yeah. um but for a lot of people, that, I mean, it is about you know connecting with old friends and family and relatives and this that, and so if you can connect that to a a history of your past, 
in this context uh, could be interesting. Maybe that's where they go. Three million bucks yeah. for TimeHop. If you're interested, go to TimeHop.com. The other company that I mentioned was OurMoments.co. They're both available um, on uh, iOS. Go and download. There's no Android version for uh, for TimeHop, is from what I can see, uh, or uh, Our Moments. But um, let us know what you think. Are we way off here? Uh, and if you happen to have any contacts into TimeHop, we'd appreciate it. Let's get them on here to talk about what they're going to do with this money and how they're going to make some money. All right, our next story. This is out of Australia. Finally, we're going to move. We went Canada, U.S. Now we're in Australia. There you go. Uh, so this is a company called Immersia. Uh, it's actually New Zealand uh, based. Yeah, nice. Uh, Australia. I, I know my geography. It's okay. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's it's just just across the pond, so to speak. Um, so New Zealand based company uh, teamed up with twentieth century, 20th century Fox uh, in the, in the movie Epic, uh, which you've seen. I have not seen. Uh, but um, yeah, certainly was a big, uh, big movie in the last few months. Uh, uh, as far as the, the the young children are concerned, and McDonald's teamed up with them as well. I think for uh, toys and a whole bunch of other stuff going on. So it was a pretty big uh, animated uh, flick this summer. Um, so Immersia, which is an augmented reality company, 20th Century Fox behind the movie Epic, Westfield Malls, which is a shopping mall operator. Uh, in New Zealand, all kind of work together. Um, and what they did was, is in the middle of um, of one of the malls, they built this little kind of display uh, to kind of promote the epic movie. And it kind of like had, you know, sort of, um, you know how like when you go to the mall and you see Santa's Village at Christmas, well, this was like epic village, uh, so to speak. And, uh, you know, so you had characters and you had, you know, trees and different images and stuff from the movie. Um, again, I haven't seen it. Uh, or the land of Nim, or something like that. It's called. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, basically, what you would do is, is they had these these coloring sheets, and and kids would take these things away, and you or do it on site, and you could color uh, color in these these pictures from scenes from the from the movie, and then you would go up to uh, an area within this 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 display at the mall, and you would hold up your uh, your 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 drawing, your your coloring uh, to this thing. And using AR technology uh, and, and the mobile app, basically out of your drawing would come a movie, um, you so know, cool. a video that would jump out of your your actual drawing that you're holding up, all location based as well. So you would get different stuff based on what mall you're in and and uh, and, and where you were, uh, you know, versus other malls and things like that. So. Uh, really, really cool uh, combination of technology and, and a tie-in and drawing kids in and their their parents and everything else. What I mean, do you think? Uh, I, you know what? If I had seen this when I was a kid, you know, something that I drew come to life through augmented reality, it would I think it would have blown my mind. I probably, I mean, it'd be in a state of shock. So I think that this kind of stuff is amazing for creating uh, an immersive interactive interactive experience and and kind of stimulate creativity in children like this. Um, I, I can't imagine that they go home and they're like coloring in their coloring book at this point and then they hold it up like, okay, let's do this and it, nothing happens, right? It's like total <laughs> setting up for disappointment. But but it, it shows you, I mean, that's the kind of thing is that, you, you know, we're, we're, we've got to create a, a generation of makers and how do you do that? You, you create... Uh, imagination opportunities for these yeah. guys and it's not just about sitting back and watching on screen because I think you know my kids there's they're almost seven they look at a screen and and they don't think twice about the effort that went into cars or cars too uh, those are characters like they're actors they could be real for all they know right and at a certain age they are real so the idea that they that's on screen doesn't give them that creative burst but when they when they sit down there 
and they're able to draw something and that comes to life like this it just stimulates the imaginations gets the imagination gets them creative creatively thinking and hopefully what that does is it inspires them to go beyond and, and to understand how how hard it is to do these things but the tools yeah. are there to enable these kids to do it so i love this kind of oh stuff. it's crazy like my my son he still thinks iron man is real yeah like he's like where where does tony stark live like 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 where where's his office well his like, name's elon musk it? right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tony Stark. Absolutely, like so, you know, and and I have that. You have that hard time. I just have to remind my kids they are Woodbridge children, and uh, you know, despite my wife's best efforts, they are still uh, of, of Woodbridge ilk. And I'm like, you know, you, guys, you you can't fly. Just I'm gonna no. put that. Yeah, you, yeah, you can't fly. You, you okay? can't fly. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Dad, I can. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just just Superman can fly. You, no. Now, but what I want to do is create an experience where they can invent something that helps them to fly with a whole bunch of mattresses at the bottom of the stairs, right? So uh, yes. just safety precautions. I don't want them to jump <laughs> off the tree for it. I like this stuff. I think that when it becomes very powerful is when you bring that into the house and uh, you can enable this. And it's very powerful for brands when you can bring that technology out of the theaters, elongate the actual, uh, um, you know, I don't know, life of a, of a movie like Epic. And then if I can bring that home, man, I, I think that that's a win as well. So I, I can't wait to see those kind of scenes, like the home augmented reality in a box kind of thing. Um, and that will come soon. Absolutely. Yes. Very cool. I like that story, Asif. I like that story. And the movie Epic, Epic, great, 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 great flick. So our last story, uh, Asif, uh, in-car stuff. We always talk about the fact that telematics is going to be, I mean, the, the, the battle for the car dash is going to be huge. And here's a company, uh, Garmin, which basically we start to think about as old school technology. And maybe they realize that, that the, you know, that it's transferred from their hardware to these screens. And now they've come up with something called uh, basically a heads-up display. And I believe in this technology. I believe in heads-up display. I mean, I think it's this is what we're starting to see is, is experimentation. We see it with Google Glass, although it's maybe not the right, the appropriate piece of technology for everybody. But here is Garmin, who's put basically created a box that sits on your dashboard that does heads-up display onto your, uh, your windshield that ties in through your device through Bluetooth and gives you heads up display and directions. You know, basically it tells you when you're gonna be there. It's anything that you would get from, literally, from the technology or without the map. Um, and I, I like this uh, simply because I don't like looking down at my screen. I don't have my screen positioned where it's, you know, attached to the window because I don't think mm -hmm. it's legal in Canada to do that. So I like the idea that I can put my phone into the charger connect it to this HUD, and then the HUD gives me heads-up display on the screen, tells me what direction to go left, right, center, keep going, and when I'm going to be there, and, and the temperature is when I'm going to arrive, which is often the same as when I leave. But I, I, I like this kind of concept that brings the smarts of the phone, which is at the center for me of my life, and actually displays relevant information on my windshield so that I can actually uh, don't have to look down and, and divert my attention from the road. I, I, this is a pretty cool technology, and it's 130 bucks. From Garmin. Yeah, it, it's very cool. Uh, it, it's a harbinger to kind of where we're going uh, in the vehicle in terms of, uh, you know, pushing stuff into the windshield. Um, for me, there's two pieces on the technology side that I'm really excited about here. Uh, the one is 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 the fact that the device, this $130 device, uh, is using projection, um, which which is something I expect a lot of in the future. I mean, I expect every smartphone will have a built-in projector. Um, 
and so while this is not a smartphone, it, it's using projection uh, in a very small scale uh, device. So that's one. Two is is it, it also has sensors on it. It adjusts the uh, the brightness depending on you know the the natural light coming into the car yeah. automatically. Yeah, like that's pretty cool. It is. Um, you know, so so, that, so so those two things are really interesting. Sort of for me, technology innovations and bring interesting technology in a small scale down to down to the device layer. So I like this stuff. Um, it's interface, it, right? Like like when you talk about user experience, that's exactly what it is. It's like the small things that that don't distract from driving. So I mean, uh, the other night I was driving with uh, Google Maps, and uh, and you know I use Google Maps to get to a location, and we we drove home late at night, and I use Google Maps to get there. They don't have that. That simple thing. It's the simplest thing on iOS. They don't have the day-night switch. Yeah. Right? So you're driving down the highway and it's dark and this thing is blaring light. You have yeah. to adjust your screen. I mean, that is a terrible user experience. So at least like Garmin thinks about that. They don't want to distract you from your driving. They want to basically be there as a as a as an a as an aid to your driving. But they've thought about that. And Google, it's yeah. surprising. I, I don't understand. So, why so and this is great. And the other thing I like about it is is that it's Android, it's iOS, yeah. it's Windows, smartphone eight. It like they support everything. So it's. Uh, but it's only based on the software that that you can use, right? I think that that's that's that, right. That's the challenge. Is that the software is. Uh, what, what they allow you to have, like I know that it's Navigon um, and their own and um, Garmin Street Point, Street Pilot uh, are the yes. two software that two two pieces of software that work on the mobile device. To yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't do Google Maps or yeah. anything yet, but yeah. uh, you know hopefully that will come. Um, and then the other piece that uh, I, I think at the moment uh, I would like to see them uh, work on is uh, uh, in terms of keying in destinations, you, you you have to manually do that on the device like you would with a traditional Garmin or any other handheld uh, device uh, of this nature. So yeah. you can't just speak and give it voice prompts like you would uh, with some of the the uh, sort of embedded navigation systems you have in cars today. So yeah, maybe this is transient. Maybe, but this is something that I would buy uh, because my car is a six-year-old car and it yeah. uh, it doesn't have this kind of technology in. But I, I would assume that as we're going through this, uh, you know, the dashboard becomes much more important. The Siri integration into Ford vehicles, all of a sudden, then you've got that little, uh, you, you've got an automatic heads-up display that's built into the dash in a number of years from now, and and it'll be uh, it'll be projecting on your on your windscreen anyways at some point. So, uh, but this at least a little bit of innovation from Garmin. Yeah. Available sometime this summer. They don't know when for 130 bucks. Count me in. Count me in. All right. Awesome. Yeah, or ju or just sponsor the show, and then Rob and I can afford to go buy one of these. Yeah, exactly. That's all. Yeah, give yeah. us each 130 bucks, or send us the product. We'll do a live video review yeah. of that. There Time you in. go. Perfect. So is that it for the six stories? That's it. I, I, well, well, we got one little sort of corollary story to this, and that is AT and T and AudioVox. Uh, so s just sticking with the car for a second, kind of. Uh, announced a, uh, an interesting uh, joint venture this week. So there's a subsidiary of, uh, of AudioVox called Vox, V-O-X-X. -X. Um, and, <laughs> and, and so, you know, still sticking with the telematics piece, basically what, they've, what they're announcing is a, uh, um, a system where they're, they're looking at a whole bunch of sensor-based uh, parameters, location, GPS, uh, accelerometers, a whole bunch of things that they're kind of working together. Um, to do this kind of onboard uh, diagnostic, but it's 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 plug and play, and basically uh, does uh, uh, fuel consumption measurements and all kinds of things based on location. So so think about things like um, you know if if I've got 
you know, uh, uh, Google Maps or, or great data, great mapping data of places around me. And I live in, you know, areas that, you know, I'm climbing mountains all day and, and you know, along the coast of California or whatever the case might be. And if, if, if my car could be adjusting it itself in, in advance, knowing that I'm about to climb a mountain and it didn't have to do all the, the manual shifting, so to speak, um, but it, 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 could, it could do that based on data and knowing my location and where I'm going and all that kind of stuff, that's pretty cool stuff, right, in terms of the fu potential fuel savings and, and all that. I mean, just think about those kinds of things. And so we're seeing Mercedes is building some of this kind of stuff into their vehicles right now. Uh, but that whole idea of optimizing performance based on location data, uh, you know, is really interesting. And so on top of that, in this system, it's got uh, maintenance alerts and reminders that get sent to you through this app. Um, it, it's got features in here that t connect to Google Maps so that you can, like, if you parked your car at the, uh, you know, in, in a big shopping mall parking lot, you can, you can locate your car. I mean, it's got a whole bunch of crazy stuff. That they put all together in, uh, into this service, um, you know. So it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, I, that is um, so fascinating, isn't it? When you start to when you start to think about that, the 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 impact that location has on everything, on wear and tear in your car. Um, but I, you know, the underlying technology is awesome. But what it has to do is it just has to be automatic, right? Like at some yeah. point, like we shouldn't care. Like no, it should just be there. It should just be there. And, and you know what? It should, it, you, you download the application. You basically sync with your car. You connect to your car. So it knows your calendar. It knows where you're going. You know, we talked about these all these personal assistants like Donna yep. or, um, or Twist. So it has all this information and it just should do. It should be able to pull down the meter, you know, the, the weather information and the time of day and the temperature of the asphalt. And it should just say, okay, this is, this is it. And we're, we'll take care of it. And when you leave your car, you don't even have to set the location. If you get lost, we're there for you. We will actually know where your car is only when you need to know, right? Yep. So I think that that's, and then the best thing would be is like if you could just top up the, the meter so I don't get a ticket, that'd be great, right? Automatically. There you go. Right, the automatic experience. I love that. I love the power that we're talking about here. We're just at the beginning. We don't know what we don't know yet about this kind of stuff, which is so cool. Yeah, and if and if you just didn't have to hold that phone to put it in the charger, Rob, I yeah, don't know. Exactly. Right? Well, <laughs> not interested in. Yeah, you know that is that is the big challenge here. Is that is that um, you know there's a there's a. a kind of a meld that is a melding that is happening between these devices and the cars and everything and yeah. and and people are quickly realizing that that for better or for worse this is the device that we've always got with us when we walk into our house and into our car and I, I i i so strongly believe that this is that conduit this is the key for now until something comes up it could be a google uh, glass it could be an apple watch but i mean it would take an insane amount to get me to wear a watch again because of this device because a watch only has one function and and uh, i can't imagine that anything else would would inspire me to wear another watch but we'll see we'll see so that's cool we got garmin's hud we've got uh, audiovox and at&t some amazing technology i think you know the, the tide has turned for uh for telematics i think that the car is now where most of the innovation is happening um, absolutely and the opportunities yeah. are there in, in spades that's for sure and we're not even talking about the you know driverless car from google all right those are the six and a bit stories Great, great uh, app of the week. We had uh, the Mobile Minute. We had our guest, uh, Tyler Bell from Factual. The only thing left is our resource, which is also fascinating for me. I love data like this, Asif. Yeah, so so this is really cool. This is um, 
you know, kind of looking at uh, well, it, it's a it's an article called "Most Smartphone Users Engage in Showrooming in Stores." Uh, pretty straightforward stuff, but it's the data that really jumps out uh, in, in this report. So, um, the, I, I think one of the key things here that for me was, uh, you know, is is the first stat in in the middle of this article that uh, that you and I were talking about at the beginning, and that is, it says Amazon is used twice as often for showrooming as the number two option, Google Inc. And forty six percent, this is it, forty six percent of shoppers who use Amazon. To showroom are also members of Amazon Prime, crazy. which is their is their premium um, service that you can you sign up to, you pay a fee for, seventy nine dollars a year. You pay for this thing, for free shipping and and stuff. Um, so it means if if you've made that commitment to Amazon, you're paying this them seventy seventy nine bucks a year just to be a member of Amazon Prime to get free shipping and all that. That when you walk into a store. You're going to take a look and, and do that comparison. Like forty, uh, like half the time, you're just going to do it because you know you've got this thing over here that yeah. you've already made a commitment to, and that that is uh, that's eye opening for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I I find it like when you it's a small amount, seventy nine dollars a year, you get free shipping and unlimited video streaming and all that kind of stuff that comes with Amazon Prime. Yeah. But but the the piece that that surprise that doesn't surprise me is that because I made that commitment, now every product is scannable. Every product I can find yeah. a deal on Amazon. And uh, you know the corollary to that is that somewhere over 65 or 66 I think 67% of people who actually are into showrooming will say uh, will buy from the store if they match the price that they find online, which yeah. is which is a huge opportunity but also MSRP, we've talked about this. MSRP is dead. So yes. I think it behooves you as a retail app, uh, you know, as a retail location to to do your your price comparison every day, so that your your customer doesn't have to do that. That they'll be pleasantly surprised that there there is uh, matching going on, um, or there, you have a, a pricing strategy that is like this. Because if half of the people walking in, uh, uh, Prime members are actually looking um, at the prices on Amazon, it just shows the influence of that behemoth. I, I I'm, I'm astounded by this, and um, and certainly I think that uh, it just shows the influence that Amazon has on on the retail landscape and. It is. It is. Maybe it's getting a little bit prettier. People are wising up to what's going on. But that commitment. How how do you create a commitment for your yeah. consumers to be able to then feel like they that 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 you are at the center, not Amazon. So if you're a retailer, how can you generate a little bit of I don't know a yearly subscription fee that gives them benefit, but then that would take them away from Amazon or make them think twice about actually doing that? Because when Amazon does same-day delivery and eBay is doing same-day delivery and in fact eBay is doing I just saw a clip where eBay is actually doing deliveries within an hour of product yep. so how do you compete with that as a retail location where I can be in the store and before I get home the product that I got at a discount compared to what you're selling is actually uh, at, at my house it's delivered yeah. before I get well, home. Well, it comes to you know. At the end of the day, it comes down to uh, you know unique experience in the store, customer service, yeah. you know all those kinds of things that you can only do, you know, like the, the, those physical interaction pieces, right? And, and it, you know, I keep saying it, you know, the, for me when I think about Best Buy, and and that's where a lot of the showrooming discussion started, yeah. um, you know, uh, um, you know the, the the whole geek squad thing, and I've said this before, you know, where. They had this, uh, you, you know, you, you bought a computer and then you, you needed help getting it set up or troubleshooting something or whatever. That you know, they they had this partnership with this company called Geek Squad and they could send somebody out to you to 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 fix that. Well, for me, 
you know, why don't they? Why didn't they keep that in the store? Why didn't they like like tell you to bring your thing into the store and yeah. and get it fixed and do this all this kind of stuff, right? I mean, and own that relationship and own that service piece like Apple does. You know, like if I have a problem, I can book an appointment, go to the Genius Bar, and they can solve it for me, right? Yeah. But it gets me in the store. It gets me looking at their iPad Mini and their other thing and this that. I mean, like it's you know what I mean? Like it's smart. It's definitely yeah. smart. Yeah, and you know, the last thing that I would ever do is is invite a computer technician into my home or my office. Yeah. I, I, you know, it, it makes sense. It makes sense to do what Apple's done, especially from the consumer standpoint. Yeah. So, experience in the store will that overcome this showrooming stuff? Will that disable Amazon? They didn't have a great quarter, but they don't care. I mean, this is going to be yeah. one of the most valuable companies on the but planet. But it's at some like point. the it's like the immersion th immersion thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I if I can do something and then go to this environment and have a unique experience like in the shopping mall where my you know coloring drawing comes to life like yeah yeah exactly it enhances so, the brand boy yeah part of a bigger discussion and that is it though we have covered everything we can and it's amazing that this uh, I mean, we're going to do it again in a week and brand new stories brand new everything and still we'll be able to talk about this for hours to see if and i think that's the big challenge about this industry is it's just getting too big we're gonna have to do this daily imagine yes one no. an hour a day <laughs> oh, not happening not happening all right well that is it for episode number 140 we will be back next week for episode number 141 if you do the math uh but please in the interim we'd appreciate a review on itunes we'd also certainly love you to leave us a question at untether.tv forward slash talk we'll play that on the air or we will include it in an upcoming episode where we just answer questions but please please start to interact with us we'd appreciate any feedback comments suggestions uh, or questions, just bring them. Bring them through those mechanisms. Or you can always reach out at rob at untether.tv or seif at the lbma.com or follow us on Twitter at Rob Woodbridge or at Asif R. Khan. That's it. That's it. All right, Asif. We'll see you next week for episode number 141. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks. See you later.